This week on the Michelle Mission, Vincent and I sit down to review Cooley High from 1975. Vincent also plays the Six Degrees from Dervell Martin game to Brian Tyree Henry, as well as Kim Cottrell of Sex and the City fame. And we do a top five black movies that could be TV series. Uh, Just a technical note, Vincent's microphone was turned down for the first few minutes of the show probably about five to ten minutes in is remedied and everything is all good i adjusted it so that you can still hear it and still enjoy his lovely tones enjoy the show welcome to the michelle mission two men one podcast Every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams, and I'm joined as always by my partner. Yo, holla at your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Triple. This stop, we will spend some time with one of the most beloved films in black cinematic history. Mm. 1975's Cooley High. Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, Glenn Turman. Mm-hmm. Link and you'll miss him, Garrett Morris. Uh, I don't know if you'll miss him. I mean, was he in two scenes? Yeah, but they're two. They're, they're good scenes. Though. They're good scenes. Actually, it may be three scenes, actually. Oh, there are three scenes. Yeah, it's three yeah, scenes. Yeah. No, Blink and you'll miss him, Robert, Robert Townsend. Robert Townsend, that's right. Although he does have a speaking part. One line. Yeah. He gets off one good line. Written by Eric Monty, directed mm-hmm. by Michael Schultz. This was the choice of Lynn Webb. But before we talk about Cooley High and decide whether or not it is indeed so hard to say goodbye to yesterday, well, I first of all, I think, to be fair, that while this was my selection for tonight's Stop on the Michelle Mission, I think it's fair to say that this is a movie that a lot of our fans and our audience has been waiting eagerly Yes. For us to review. Yes. Low 300 plus movies uh, ago. True. True It's one of those films that people can't believe. Y'all haven't reviewed Cooley High yet? We haven't reviewed Cooley High yet, but but an hour or so from now, we won't be able to say that anymore. Very true. Very true. But first, as always, shout out to everybody that is joining us in the chat as we are streaming live via StreamYard to YouTube and Facebook and Twitch and LinkedIn. Hello, 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 hello to each and every one of you. Um, We are going to get right into the business tonight. Okay. We're going to get right into it. Vincent, I hope you don't mind. And that means we're going to start with listener mail. Ah, missives from missionaries. That's right. And we got an email from Robert Kaplowitz. Hey, what's up, Robert? Gentlemen. Yes. I have a personal top five. Okay. My top five Michaud Mission episodes. Oh, okay. And I think your episode with Miss Carla Brothers about Friday Foster is getting a seat at the table. Oh, okay. Excellent. Great stories, great review, great features, and as always, top quality edutainment. Very nice. I am also grateful that you finally got to car wash this summer. (laughs) 
talking about musicals, rumor has it that there was at least for a while a musical version of Car Wash in development. Who knows what the future holds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who knows indeed. Uh, I was actually inspired to write because we just watched Dog Day Afternoon in our house. And I recognize someone who might be useful someday to Vincent's great work of connecting everyone in the world to Derval Martin. Great work. Great work. The limo driver. Okay. Who is actually a cop is none other than the great star of Broadway and Hollywood. And you, Vincent, your personal key to the Durval Martin uh, game. Would that be Mr. Dick Anthony Williams? Dick Anthony Williams. Oh, yes. Didn't know if you had that in your toolbox, but thought just in case, here you go. Yeah, he shows up. Yeah. So grateful to you both for the joy you bring, Robert Kaplowitz out of West Philly. Thank you, sir. Yeah, that's a, that's a nice quick uh, connection to Pacino, which opens up a lot of stuff. It does. Yeah. That's that's deep. And uh, Pacino, uh, who else is in that film? Um, Charles Durning. Charles Durning? Yeah. Yeah. Great movie. Great movie. Mm. Yeah. That is easily one of the movies that when it comes on, if I find, if, like, if I turn the channel and it's on, I, I stop. Yeah. Yeah. What's that? 70 what? Well, it's, I think it's before. It's before 77. It was definitely before seventy-seven. Right, right. I think it's before. Is it before Godfather? First Godfather seventy-two. Oh, I don't think it's before Godfather. I don't know. That's a good question. Let's see. Dog he's Day. So young in Godfather. Yeah, well, he's young in in Dog Day Afternoon. Because Dog Day Afternoon is really the the movie that puts him on the map. Dog Day Afternoon is. Oh, you're right. Nineteen seventy-five. Yeah, and Serpico is seventy-one. Let's see. When is Serpico? That's 73. 73. Yeah. The reason I was calling up the numbers, I know we spend a lot of time, and by we, I know I certainly do, mm-hmm. fixated on Jaws and okay. Star Wars. And Jaws is 77. And Star Wars is 77. Also, right. 77 is the year that, that we talk about black exploitation kind of goes away because they made some money. Like the studios start making money off of movies, mm. Star Wars and Jaws, but a lot of stuff kind of said, you know, like like that real kind of funky stuff mm-hmm. before '77, and it's it's I, like I love the fact that Pacino got so much in before '77, and then you know, like the bean counters got involved again. Yeah. Okay. It, well. Yeah, because the 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 movie fair slowly begins to change. Yeah, well, it becomes popcorn. Yeah, it becomes popcorn. Yeah, so it's like all those wonderful '70s movies that we acknowledge as classics. Mm. A lot of it is before '77, and it's weird that 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 happens because I don't think until as I got older and I start getting into reading. A, about movies and learn about movie history and realizing the change that Jaws signals mm-hmm. in how movies are released and when they're released and what movies are, are right. released. Right. I don't think I would equate Jaws with, never mind popcorn, 
movies. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't equate it as like a like a a a summer blockbuster type of movie, even though technically it. I was about to say, why not? Well, only only because only because in in my early understanding of Jaws is that it while not being like slasher or anything, I just always equated it to a kind of a horror film. Okay. Almost. Okay. So it never had like a populist feel right to me. Right. So 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 it wasn't made like that. Right. But right. Which reception. I which which I certainly don't right. believe it was. But the reception mm-hmm. actually was very much as opposed to Star Wars, which where George Lucas has been very vocal about yes. the fact that he was trying to recreate this feeling exactly of the serials and of mm-hmm. you know basically something for pop 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 culture and popcorn yeah 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 okay i mean i think that's fair yeah i think that's and i think if you look at both films they both stand that kind of scrutiny i you know i, I don't want to poke the 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 star wars hornet's nest but mm-hmm. you know like alec guinness and and Harrison Ford and Carrie Fisher really make that thing pop in a way that the film itself doesn't deserve, frankly. You know, like the film is, is like, oh, this is all right, yay. So, but yes, Dog Day Afternoon. Dog Day Afternoon. Serpico. There you go. Um, Godfather. <laughs> Shout out to everybody, each and every one of you out there in the chat. And I told you people are looking forward to this film. Oh, yeah. Uh, Robert Monroe Jr. Uh, My family and I saw this in the theater when it was released. One of my favorite films. Mm. We also heard from uh, uh, Sherry Sherry DeBrest. My cousin. Mm-hmm. Who says I normally watch the replay, but Cooley High is so major. I had to t- tune in the poem. This is my beloved recited by preach was a factor to giving my daughter her middle name. Beloved. Yeah. I mean, this is huge. Cooley High is huge. It is. So uh, we're definitely looking for that. Um, people were mentioning, and I guess it'll, it'll come up in the, in the podcast a little bit later that our, the your audio was a little low okay but i but it's fine it's I, good I, now all I, right, I checked cool. it i checked right. it so it's fine and they, and they gave me the, the thumbs up that okay that's that good that was our listener mail shout all out right. to everyone thank you if you want to uh email us any of your thoughts ladies and gentlemen you are encouraged to do so e- email us at me show mission at gmail.com that's m-i-c-h-e-a-u-x-m-i-s-s-i-o-n at gmail.com. All right. And and we are keeping this train on, on track. That's right. Vincent, as we move quickly okay. into... Top five. Who's your top five? My top five is... All right. My this top week's five. top five, Vincent, mm-hmm. I think is- I have one that is going to start a little bit of a conversation between us and between the the missionaries okay and the audience that might be responding um when they listen back to the podcast now we we were actually talking about before the show that 
and I guess we'll get maybe time allowing deeper into it during our review, that Cooley High is a movie that was so beloved yes. by the uh, Black America mm-hmm. and was a certifiable hit yeah, when it oh, came yeah. out. That it was a, f- a film that was soon uh, looked into developing into a TV series. Yes, sir. And along the way, it 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 went through that path, and things didn't quite work out the way that they they wanted, as we will speak to. Yes, tested it, terribly. Okay, it tested terribly, mm-hmm. and it basically did a massive changeover. Yes, on it, and what started as Cooley High, the TV series, uh, set in the time of the film, which mm-hmm. is nineteen sixties. Um, was became what's happening became what's happening the TV series which was contemporary for its time yes it was in the 70s but that is the way that things these things happen it's the way the cookie crumbled exactly but with that in mind and also thinking in mind to our conversation last week when we reviewed Aaron loves Angela. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I had noted that this was a show, excuse me, a movie that I could definitely see living on now as a TV series. Yes. We could really uh, get involved with the, all of the characters that, 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 that movie kind of like shoehorns into its running time. Mm-hmm. It got me to thinking of other black films that could be TV series. Okay. Okay. So now I'm listing this as my top five black movies that could be TV series. Yes. But to be fair, these are the top five that came to mind. Right. Because I'm sure as the missionaries will tell us and, and, and our fans, our audience will tell us there are tons of black movies that might work well as series maybe some wouldn't but these are my five that came right off the top of my head and i'm curious to your thoughts on them okay all right all right number five number five we're going to start from with number five and that would be let me just clear that do a little housekeeping here gin Jen from 2018 bit of a deep cut a very deep cut mm-hmm. this was a film that we reviewed written and directed by uh uh Nila Moomin uh that starred Zoe Renee and friend of the show Simone Missick mm-hmm. it was a coming of age tale speaking of coming of age tales about a black Muslim teenage girl named Summer who converts to Islam at her mother's request yes this was a a film that we both enjoyed very much so. Um it is definitely like an indie project uh, at the time. Um but this was a film that and and a subject matter that I could would definitely love to see fleshed out absolutely in a series. I think in a series there's so many different roads this series could travel um with uh, Summer, just her character, all the people that she comes involved with. The, you know, she has has a boyfriend that she yeah, has a relationship. Yeah. She has friends. She has a very, you know, there is definitely a relationship that she has with her 
mother yes. and her father yes. in the film. Um, who and, and the parents are are divorced, I think. They I are remember. divorced. They are divorced. Um, but there is a, a definitely a prickly situation there. There's a lot of roles that this that a show like this could explore. And I think that um having a show centered and prominently featuring the Muslim religion. And and yes, I think that that is an opportunity that is worth its weight in gold. Yeah, I I 100% agree with you, and we have seen almost a funhouse mirror version of that show a couple of months ago with Ms. Marvel. Yeah, which I think yeah. one of the great things about that show, you know, the irony is that the superhero stuff. Mm-hmm. was the least interesting to me mm-hmm. like this depiction of islam in a modern american context was fascinating and, and much like ms marvel just to parrot what you said i thought jen's depiction of of african americans who mm-hmm. are muslim was was fascinating yeah very fascinating and because and, it, and it, just it gave the you dynamic a... in the mosque and 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 you know and and these were scenes with that you don't see at all. You're not yeah, privy you don't see to it that. at all. Yeah, yeah I, I 100% agree with you. I would love to see a series out of Jen. Yeah, I think that's. I'm I'm now curious to see what four movies would be better than Jen because I would love that series. Okay. Yeah. All right. Next, number four. Number four from 2015. Oh, dope. Oh. Oh, <laughs> oh, that's a good. Are they developing dope? No, they're developing the wood. Yeah, his other movie. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Now, now, dope for the for those who don't remember this film from 2015, another coming of age comedy or mm-hmm. or, or dramedy, if you if you were by Rick uh, Fumiyuwa, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm sorry I'm, if I mispronounced the name i apologize um that starred shameek moore uh kersey clemens yeah, great shameek moore uh, yeah i love shameek moore yeah, yeah 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 uh this this was a film that um was about three friends uh malcolm uh jib and diggy three high school geeks who get mixed up in kind of like this <laughs> For lack of a better word, drug deal gone wrong. Right. It, it's an a bit of an insane plot. Yeah, yeah. But it is it is one hundred percent so dope. Yeah. Such an enjoyable movie. I actually just watched that movie again. Yeah. Like about I think like last week or something. Mm-hmm. I enjoy. I love that movie. It is so refreshing. The cast is so the, good. The, the script cast is, is good. The, the direction is it's yeah. so spot on. Yeah. Absolutely. And but here is a little like and this is where I think the series can go mm-hmm. because the show, the movie definitely has a bit of an ending point because the lead character Malcolm is on his way to, to college. Right. Right. But in dealing in having to deal with this drug deal, these three young young teenagers of color get involved in the world of um oh i just drew, i just drew a blank on it uh crypt 
crypto cryptocurrency cryptocurrency yeah they get they get involved in that mm-hmm. right and to and and they work the system beautifully yeah. yeah and i think a furthering of this story is continuing seeing them work in that in that realm with cryptocurrency um because that speaks to you know that's what's happening today and every time and every time you hear today about these crypto billionaires and things of that th- that nature i think watching these three these three uh kids or now young adults as mm-hmm. it would be um kind of w- maneuver in that space along with still trying to live just a, a normal basic life i think that could be the um fair ground for just as equally grounded yet slightly askew wicked funny um satire look can i have a subplot or a recurring character that's roger gouverneur smith playing oh, the community activist <laughs> who is secretly yes that's right a crime lord that's right i forgot about that i totally forgot about that part i didn't realize i needed roger gouverneur smith as someone's big bad until i saw dope that's right oh yeah yeah oh yeah dope dope and you could tell dope was filled with ideas mm-hmm. you know just filled with them yeah so yeah yes Another good one. Thank you. Dope and gin. Boy, I hope, hope Hollywood is listening. Hope they don't steal from you like they did Eric Monty, though. Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Number three. Number three. Fast Color. Uh, yeah, yeah. You're killing it right now. From 2018. Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, Fast Color, for those who don't know, stars um, one of our favorites here on yeah. the Michelle Mission. And who Ms. would that Raw. be? Google and Path of Raw. Google and Path of Raw. It's a bit of a superhero film, mm-hmm. you know. So, mm-hmm. which are all the rages right now? It's yeah. a superhero film without the capes. Are the girl is in it too, though? Um, are you thinking uh, about Lorraine Toussaint? Yeah, yeah, oh, she's yeah. in there, and also uh, uh, Sonia Sydney yeah. is in there as well. And who I think is she was also in. She was also in Fences, and um, she was in Hidden Figures as well. Um, yeah, Fast Color, which to give people uh, a, a quick rundown on that film, uh, deals with Ruth and Bathory Raw's character, a woman with supernatural powers on the run from law enforcement and scientists who want to study and control her, and by and uh, it deals with like the um, family aspects of super mm-hmm. superpowers as well. Uh, like we say, it's a superhero film without the capes. It's very, it's very grounded, almost, almost to a degree in kind of like the small, the small town um, setting of it. It's almost like a, a superhero Western mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, like a neo Western mm-hmm. as you were, as it were. Um, and Google and Bath of Raw, who is doing, according to my girlfriend, good work in the Apple TV series Surface. Yeah, I heard that. I heard she's doing good work. 
and God bless her. Uh, look, man. I will still love her to, to, to come over here and do fast color. Look, I, I, my, my absolute favorite thing of the past year, and we've got two episodes left, has been uh, the man who fell to earth. Oh, on Showtime. I still haven't caught up. And and Fast Company reminds me of it. Mm-hmm. So fast that, color, you mean? Fast color reminds me of the man who fell to earth. So I'll yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, hell, you're going to make me go back and listen to some old reviews. <laughs> it's like, oh, right, we did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. All right, so that was number three. All right. Number two. Soul Plane. You know? <laughs> I was almost going to select Soul Plane. You're putting crazy pressure on yourself, though. But then I remembered the debacle <laughs> that was Super Train. Uh, so I saw Soul Plane just not going right now. Okay, not All going right. far. All right, we 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 got after these three. Number two. Number two. Uncorked. You know what? I still haven't seen this. Now I watched this. Admittedly, this was a Netflix film, and mm-hmm. but it's a Netflix film that we have said is is um, right for us to do because it it was only because of Netflix because of the pandemic. I was about to say, it was supposed to be, I think it, yeah, it was yeah. supposed to be, it, it was actually supposed to be in South by Southwest yeah. that year, but it, everything got canceled. As a matter of fact, it premiered on Netflix in that March. Mm-hmm. Now, Uncorked deals with a young man who wants to, trying to be a sommelier. Yes, which you should tell people what that is, fancy pants. Oh, it's a, like a, a wine connoisseur yeah right or, or, or a wine guy yeah wine guy he's a wine guy he's yeah, yeah he's a wine guy wine guy right. not a whining guy not a whining guy a wine a wine guy a man yeah. of wine it's hints of blueberry and yes and oak yes yeah it, it, it's actually everything the character in sideways wanted to be right he like takes the, the wine and no you gotta swirl it around you first swirl it around stick and your nose in stick it. your nose and you would go and then, oh, it's hints of oak and blueberry. Yeah, I tried that with milk. It didn't work. <laughs> um, so, but but here's the reason why I like this this uh, idea. Okay, and it's primarily have you watched? And I watched it on Hulu. It's an FX series called The Bear. I still have not watched The Bear. It's all, on the list. I've heard good things. All about a young young man, like a, a top-notch chef who returns yeah. home to kind of like runs his brother's like meat shop yeah. out of Chicago. And it, I absolutely love that series. Okay. And I think that having a black comedy, because mm-hmm. I would definitely see this as a comedy, maybe even maybe a romantic comedy, mm-hmm. but set in that kind of like erudite world of fine wine mm-hmm. would one be a different setting yes that we don't see absolutely in in um in our black television fair okay um it so it it lends itself to a different vocabulary different settings different different uh characters characterizations that you don't usually see mm-hmm. um but I think it also could it is that is a world that could definitely benefit from the black aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because this is this is a young man in in, in the movie that is, you know, trying to make it by by his bootstraps and and I won't give it away because you haven't seen it. Mm-mm. But you know, 
he has to go through some stuff to do it. Sure. So I just to put it that way. It okay. actually is a very sweet movie. It's actually pretty cool. Okay. I look forward to when we actually do a formal review of it. All right. So I think Uncorked is... is Uncorked? It would be... Uh, the series. Yes. Uncorked, the series. Now, before I reveal number one... Okay. I'm going to go to the the um, the missionaries who have been offering up some selections of their own. Farrell Blackwell says that Soul Food would have made a great... <laughs> TV series. Well, do I have good news for you, Pharaoh? Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, it did make a good TV yeah. series, Pharaoh. Uh, so very good. Um, I just saw someone else mention Pharaoh. Oh, your brother, Damon yes. Williams. Damon mentions that ATL or Boys in the Hood could have made for good series. Yeah. I feel like Boys in the Hood had it's and and, and to a degree ATL but maybe not necessarily. But Boys in the Hood had an opportunity to be a series. I don't know if you remember a very short-lived series called South Central. Yes, of course. That starred a very young Lorenz Tate. Tate. That's right. And that kind of like had a Boys in the Hood type yeah. of aesthetic mm-hmm. to it. Um it, it it was before its time. Yeah. Do you remember the Friday cartoon? Friday the cartoon. Remember Friday had a cartoon for like a season on like MTV. I don't remember. It just that. came on like two in the morning. Yeah. I don't remember that. Was it, it any good? It was it was was it, it like was clerks? Okay. I, I was just about to say it was like the clerks cartoon. No. Where it was it was watchable, but you know. Not really yeah. saying anything. Okay. All right. Um ATL ATL's not bad, but yeah. I feel like to a do- well, no, I was gonna say because Atlanta is not ATL. No, it's not. Atlanta is something different. <laughs> something totally, <laughs> totally different. Yeah. But I feel like there I feel like there is a series out there like a BET or TV one series that's set in Atlanta that deals with kids like teenagers or young adults. Yeah, I can't help you. But I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Sharon Eldridge suggests that Set It Off was the first thing that came to my mind. Set It Off might like see the premise is these these girl criminals. Right, right. At you some know? point, yeah. At some point they're going to either get caught or once they get away. Or here you go set it off as an anthology that deals with women criminals yeah women criminals you know some who are backed against the wall some who are actual criminals but isn't that just a, accidental isn't that just like a uh idtv um outlook reality show yeah i, I mean it could be fictionalized though. oh like okay yeah. like so like short stories right i guess that's not yeah. bad Th- my my only other thing against Set It Off is that Set It Off to me has such a memorable and definitive ending. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, like that's an ending like it would almost be hard to like you'd always be in the back of your mind. Right. Like uh, when they're going to get there. My other thing is that the chemistry between the four, those women. four women. That's the other is, thing. Would be so difficult. Yeah, to recapture. That is another thing. That is another thing. I did think about an anthology, anthology 
series, though, even though this wasn't an anthology movie. Mm -hmm. But I thought about doing Death by Temptation as a black horror anthology. Sure, sure, sure. I mean, we've said it several times over the years that Tales from the Hood, A, should have been a continuing film series, but very much could have been an HBO series like Tales from the Crypt. Mm. And then just sort of keep going. But talk about something ahead of its time. Uh, Miss Makiba, thank you. Miss Makiba says that Millennials on All Black was a, like a kid youth show that uh, Len means. Yeah, yeah, okay. that might be the show I was thinking about. All right. I know I feel I was feeling like there was one. Uh, there was a show out there. All right. <laughs> Jeffrey Thomas uh, suggests Pootie Tang. Look, man, <laughs> don't play. Don't play with me and Pootie Tang. See now, but Pootie Tang would have to be animated. Just so that you could go wherever so you, you want to so go. So you could just go. Just go. Just go. It'd yeah. have to be animated. Oh, yeah. Oh, don't get me started. On that, that, that's a good one. Yeah. But you ready for my number one? I am ready. Now, my number one, Vincent, is a series that definitely came to my mind, but is a series that I know has also come to your mind. Okay. Because you have talked about it on more than one occasion, certainly when we reviewed the film. Okay. And this is Devil in a Blue oh Dress. Oh my God. This would be amazing from 1995. As a series. Yes, the Easy Rawlings mystery. Dude, it's sitting right there. It's right I think there. he's written 13 novels yes. at this point. Yes. You can bounce around in, in time. Mm-hmm. Like you could, like you could start with Devil in a Blue Dress, mm-hmm. and then bounce to like 1990 when he's an old man, mm-hmm. and then bounce back mm-hmm. to like 1970. Yeah. Ah. Yeah. It, ah. Is, it is just waiting there. I I think Walter Mosley is always in talks for something. Yeah, but I mean, Rollins. but Walter Mosley is 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 up there, man. Like I mean, he needs he to, is, like somebody needs to get his, his You know what, John man? Hancock. You know what? You know, knock on wood, and I'll believe it when it actually happens. There are at least two Octavia Butler shows in production. Well, that's true. Yeah, and God knows that's t- like Kindred came out and maybe eighty, like like mm. that long. So you know, if we have to wait this long for Kindred, hope springs eternal. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Now. But yeah, Devil in a Blue Dress. Yeah, the Easy Rollins Mysteries. Now. Oh, my goodness. I am so into this idea that I went one step further. One step further. Because, obviously, if they do Devil in a Blue Dress to TV series, Denzel Washington, he, he he's, he's not going to do it. Did you watch Young Indiana Jones? I kind of remember seeing it. Remember, so young that the, the premise of the show was the adventures of Indiana mm-hmm, Jones mm-hmm. when he was young. But there was a special little short at one point where it was like they flash forwarded to older Indiana Jones. I don't remember. That. And Harrison okay. Ford actually played it. Oh, really? You know, it was like 10 minutes. Like, you, you know, like obviously you can't have Harrison. So Denzel could play older, like could play older. In fact, the interview I just saw with Walter Mosley in the past year, that's what he was saying. He was saying that because the Easy Rollins books go like 50, 60 years, mm-hmm. Denzel could actually play Easy Rollins, but just at the age he is now. Well, that's true. That's very true. 
That's very true. All right. So, all but, right, but because I, in my mind, got me all excited about Easy Rollins. In my mind, you can't see him as as the the, the Easy Rollins that would be in most of the episodes. Exactly. Right. 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 So, I went and I cast my Easy. Rollins. You cast your Easy Rollins, and I cast the person that I chose to be my Easy Rollins would be Wylan Noel, formerly seen on Insecure and also in The Photograph. That's not bad. And actually is has been cast to be in Lee Daniels' remake of The Spook Who Sat By The Door. That's not bad. That's not bad casting at all. I um, I have recasting in my head that I'm not going to say out loud just because I still think it's a little disrespectful to start recasting this role at this point but he's my he's in my head he's who i would recast for a role that shall not be named whoa whoa whoa, whoa. wait no we wait, gonna keep no wait no bit. i just want to make sure i understand what you're saying so you're saying that there is there's a role there out is there. a huge black role oh that there's you know a lot of debate i know exactly about what you're talking whether, about. It, about whether or not it should be recast that i think at this point it's a little like it's a little disrespectful to be talking about it, but you know my head. You know you you think you really think it's disrespectful. I think it's a little. It's, 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 yeah, I mean, yeah, I think it's a little. Yeah, it's just a little. I mean, I think. I mean, because people make the argument it's, that it's a cast that, sh- that should be. I mean, it's it. definitely coming, but you know, I think we like we don't have to. We don't need to be talking about it now. But in my head, I've tucked him away for that. Who did you cast his mouse though? I don't want to talk about this anymore. Okay, I I I didn't think about mouse. I wasn't sure about how. Well, you don't cast mouse. Well, he had the most important role. Well, no, 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 According no, 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 no. Denzel Washington and Don Cheadle. Okay, okay, and Walter Mosley. You 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 have to get it right, but I do also think that you have to get the Easy Rollins character right. Yes, but you got to get mouse right. Okay, well, I I didn't think of, I didn't I didn't play that game forward to think about mouse um because obviously don Cheadle is is yes is too old to play mouse um oh i, I don't know what, what, what now because i have dope on my head shameek moore might be you know what i was thinking shameek moore would be a great mouse he would be interesting because that would show a different side of him he's really good in the Wu-Tang Clan show. Who is he in Wu-Tang? He plays Ghostface. Oh, see, see, I, I couldn't, I didn't watch that. And they have him a little stockier than I think he actually is. Okay. But I think, you know, if he kind of vegans out for eight months, he can I mean, be but little. no, there's, a, there's no Well, Mouse rule. has to be little. Oh, okay. I mean, that's just old. Because, because of the Mouse it's, thing. It's, it's, the, it's the great line from the novel. Like he looked like a rat, but everybody liked him, so we called him Mouse. Okay, Shamik Moore would be good. Yeah, Mouse is a little guy. Shamik Moore would be good. Shamik Moore would be good. Um, I don't think he is aged out of it yet. No, not not with um, not if Yala Noel is playing easy. Yeah, yeah. That would okay. Well, there you go. There's there's your mouse. Here's my mouse. All right. Very nice. So well done. Do you like my top five? I do. I do. Thank you. 
Thank you very, thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, I saw that Miss Makiba also said that in regards to like horror anthologies that there were three tales from the hood movies. Uh, I like the first and the third way more than the second one. That's true. There were there were three. I actually thought about maybe calling the anthology tales from the hood, but I actually like the title "Death by Temptation." Yeah, it's a, a little less on the nose. Yeah, um, to me. Uh, and then um, George Camona mentioned that perhaps Donald Glover could be Mouse. I think he definitely is maybe a little bit aged out. Yeah. So I I don't I don't see that George Camona, I think also, and I'm I'm scrolling back because I saw it and he annoyed me with it. So I'm but I'm going to <laughs> I'm going to put it out there because because he's 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 a, a longtime friend of the show. Uh, he actually when we we're talking about movies that could be TV series, imagine Twa <laughs> as an HBO Max show. Oh, Twa. I don't want to think of Twa <laughs> as an HBO Max show. Thank you very much, George Kimona. In now, an FX show. <laughs> Me and she. Simultaneous. Simultaneous loving. Twas our cheat code to make us act like 12 year olds. <laughs> Very true. All right. Very true. Uh, and, and Catrice says, oh, no. That's right, Catrice. Oh, no. Oh, no, indeed. I say no, sir. Um, and uh, actually, Damon corrects you. Uh, Shamik Moore played Raekwon. Is he Ray? He is right. Ray. Ray is a darker is, skin. And, and Raekwon is actually yes, that's right. Yeah. Cause Ghostface is the one that's halfway and I'm don't don't nobody spoil me because I'm like a season behind. He's halfway dating um Riz's sister. Oh yeah, I, I think I read that yeah. somewhere. A season behind. It, it, it was only two seasons, right? Here's the crazy thing. I just saw a new season is coming on. But like I think they're famous now, like 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 I think Thirty Six Chambers has come out and they're still doing show. So now I'm just sort of fascinated to see how, how far are they gonna go with this. Maybe they'll turn it into a um, an anthology like Atlanta. Anytime anybody is with me and we drive through Philadelphia and we drive past it, I say, "And that's the McDonald's where Old Dirty Bastard got it arrested." <laughs> Stupid. That's part of my official Philadelphia tour. Next on the docket, on the docket is that's the key. Like you'd be surprised what a person can do with just a sense of touch and a sense of sound. Six degrees of Duraville Martin, ladies and gentlemen, where Vincent will attempt to get to an actor of my choice from. Dervell Martin in six movies or less. Six movies or less. Vince, are you ready? I am ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. All right. All right. Let's get it going. All right. Vince, in six movies or less, get from Dervell Martin. Dervell Martin. 
Is to, it no theme? To Brian Tyree Henry. Brian Tyree Henry. Interesting. From the old to the new. Mm-hmm. Okay. Also, Brian Tyree Henry hasn't had an extensive film career. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Even though looking at his IMDb, he's he's already at about twenty. Is he? Has he been in twenty movies? Mm -hmm. Because I can just think like this new one, Bullet Train and Eternals, and I know he's he was in If Bill Street Could Talk. I've seen of the the films that are here. Mm -hmm. I've seen a good six or seven of them. Okay. All right, so how am I going to get to Brian Tyree Henry? <sighs> Durville Martin mm-hmm. was in. Okay. Durville Martin was in. Dolomite. Yes. Rudy Ray Moore was in the Monkey Hustle Mm -hmm. with Robert Townsend. Robert Townsend was in Hollywood Shuffle. I should hope so. With movie. With um, John Witherspoon. Mm -hmm. John Witherspoon was in Friday. Mm-hmm. with Regina King mm-hmm. who was in If Beale Street Could Talk with Brian Tyree Henry. Very good, Vincent. Very I good. was trying to I was trying to avoid the Marvel slush. Although Eternals kind of is by itself like I don't know like could I get to him through Eternals? Like anyone else that shows up in Eternals because even yeah cuz actually the um like none of the marvel mainstays are in that i mean i yeah, can probably stinger do, doesn't even have the right i could probably do angelina jolie somehow like get i to, mean yeah like yeah but I, but not movies. through the marvel stuff no, no like like you know samuel jackson doesn't get me to it no so yeah right yeah i don't think any of the regular ones you are. know i was thinking about going through brad pitt in a uh, bullet train mm-hmm. thing that was just out what else was he in what else has he been in he was in joker which I've still not seen. Huh? Um, I did not know he was in Joker until this exact second. Mm-hmm. He voices Jefferson Davis in Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. He sure does. He sure does. Mm-hmm. I forgot all about that. He's in Widows. Which I still have not seen. Oh, my God. I know that's your jam. I haven't seen it. I know. He's in Hotel Artemis, which was a fun little movie. I don't even. Yeah. And he was in Godzilla versus Kong, and that's just the movies that he's I've seen. In Godzilla versus Kong, he's the podcaster. He's the podcaster. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. All right, Brian Tyree Henry, you chose a black. I chose a black. You chose a black, and now I've got a white. Oh, first we did a black. Now we'll do a white. In six movies or less, get from Durvell Martin. Durvell Martin two. Kim Cattrall. Kim Cattrall. Or Cattrall. I'm not exactly sure how you pronounce. I mean, I always call oh, him Kim, Kim I always thought it was Cattrall. I mean, that's what I've always called him. But now looking at it spelled out. 
Well, I'm going to call it Kim Cattrall. And I'm going to get to her. How am I going to get from Derville Martin to Kim Cattrall? Interesting. Interesting. If I sat here long enough, I could probably figure out how to get to Kurt Russell, but I can't really think about how to do it. So I'm going to do the easy way. <laughs> what are you laughing at, Kurt Russell? I forgot about that connection. Yeah. I, I, You know what? I am going to use Kurt Russell, yeah. and this is how I'm going to use him. Uh-huh. Derville Martin, and I, I'm going to use my Dick Anthony Williams key. Pull it out. Derville Martin is in Five on the Black Hand side with Dick Anthony Williams. Dick mm-hmm. Anthony Williams is in Mo Better Blues with Wesley Snipes. Wesley Snipes is in Wildcats with Goldie Hawn. Oh. Goldie Hawn is in what is the name of that movie where she falls and hits her head and loses I can't her memory? Tell you. Is it Man Overboard or I can't tell you. Ships Ahoy? You can't tell. Just, can't just tell, tell me you. the damn movie. I can't tell. Just tell me the movie. You know what I'm talking Like, I'm taking a long way. Like, I'm trying to take the interesting way. I mean, if you want, I can just go through Jennifer Hudson and Sex in the City, too. But come on, what's the name of it with her and Kurt Russell where she hits her head? Overboard. Overboard. Kurt Russell is in big trouble in Little China with Kim Cattrall. With Kim Cattrall. Very good. There you go. I forgot about... Uh... Big Trouble in Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. I've only, <laughs> that's the only thing I really know her from, that in Sex in the City. Oh, really? I know she's done lots of stuff, but you tell me, Kim Cattrall, she's the woman in uh, Big Trouble in Little China. Really? The finest film she's ever done. <laughs> the finest work Kim Cattrall has ever been involved in, Big Trouble in Little China. Um, You sure? Yes. What does she do that's better than Big Trouble in Little China? Well, some would say uh, Star Trek Six, <laughs> the Undiscovered Country. Come on, you know the rule. No, no, no. Undiscovered Country is not bad, but yeah, it's not better than Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah, that's not better than Big Trouble. Yeah, Little China. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, some might also say mm-hmm. that. Depending on when you saw this film, <laughs> that Porky's might be. Is she in Porky's? She is. She is the um, kind of like the the femme fatale, more or less, oh uh, of Porky's. God, when is the last time you've seen Porky's? Um, when I was the age that I, I was, was about to, be to say, I don't Porky's. think I've seen Porky's now, since I, I was like fourteen. I I saw it. Several times oh. <laughs> at that age. Boy, you talking about stuff that's dropped off her resume. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it at the time. Um, a movie that she was in that actually should have been a lot better, Bonfire of the Vanities. She actually, um, mm. she actually is not bad in it, but um, it's not a great movie. And she's also in Mannequin. It's <laughs> Bree Bree Five Seventeen reminds. Mannequin's not bad actually. It's no big trouble in Little China. It's no big trouble in Little China. But it's not bad. But it's not bad. 
it is not bad. So I also could have gotten to Kurt Russell through Escape from New York, through Isaac Hayes. Mm. Yes. Yes. But but well done, Vince. Yeah, yes, thank, thank you. Well done. I took, thought these would be took, way more challenging for you. Took me to the 80s. Right, right. Especially Kim Cattrall, yeah, which Kim you Cattrall, But you forgot she was in big trouble. I did forget. One of the finest films right. made in the late 20s. I enjoyed the f- film a great deal. Yes. It's, it a, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's oh, a yeah. lot of fun. Oh, yeah. It, 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 it's a lot of fun. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's the movie that The Last Dragon wishes it was. <laughs> it's the movie a lot of movies wish that it was, frankly. Yes. Yeah. Anyway. It's time. It's it time. is time. All right. Time for us to get into our review, ladies and gentlemen of Cooley High. We'll be right back with our movie review after we step to these messages. Best of times. They were the best of friends. They made the best of memories. Why don't you go somewhere? Go play some man. Those cool, cool days. Cooley High. Cooley High is a 1975 coming-of-age comedy-drama period piece that follows the narrative of high school seniors and best friends Leroy Preach Jackson and Richard Cochise Morris. Written by Eric Monte, directed by Michael Schultz, the film primarily shot in Chicago was a major hit, grossing over $13 million. It is, again, one of the most beloved films in black culture. Glenn Turman, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs, introducing Cynthia Davis, Mm. Garrett Morse. Cooley High was the choice of Lynn Webb. Lynn, how would you like to start our conversation around Cooley High? Well, this is like a movie that probably in more ways than one, it's really a bit of a like a um a time machine for me. Mm-hmm. Because not only is this a film made in the 70s, featuring a lot of faces from you know 70s movies and TV, um and features a story that is set in the 60s, mm-hmm. complete with the, a bit of the look and the music of the era. But it's a film that also takes me back to my youth growing up in the late 70s and 80s when I saw this at the local movie theater and sat in the theater for Hours upon hours, I think I watched this movie like three times that day, me mm. and my friends. 
um, just like in the first time you're kind of watching it and you're, you're laughing and joking and everything like that. And the second time you're like, oh, oh, oh. And, and the third time, even as young as I was, because I may have been, what, about 12 or 13 when I saw it. It was still a film that watching it, you kind of identified a little bit of yourself mm-hmm. in it. Even even if you, at, at that age, what you aspired to be, you know, maybe not necessarily what you were. It's a film, like you mentioned, that tells the story of uh, a group of friends, uh, led, of course, first by Preacher and um, Cochise, played by Glenn Terman and Lawrence Hilton Jacob, uh, respectfully. But you also have a young Corin Rogers as Pooter, Joseph Carter Wilson as uh, Tyrone, kind of like rounding out the main uh, quartet of friends yeah. that you see running around the Cabrini uh, housing um, development in 1964 Chicago. And it's interesting also to see this development as, you know, like it, it, it would become the, the let's call it what it is, infamous Cabrini Green mm-hmm. in the 70s um, proje- projects um, known for some for for like disrepair disenfranchised black black people living in the in these development crime drugs uh, and soon and not long after the the um setting for one of the most seminal black horror films of all time. Right, right. Candyman. But it's interesting that in 1964, that's not quite settled in into this district yet. There's a little bit of it there, mm-hmm. um, but there's not, there's not the despair of the 70s. So there's still a little bit of hopefulness. There's still a little bit of, of dreaming on these on the on the side of these these kids um and even and even that it's only on some of them Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day what this film is is a few days in the life of these teenagers in chicago with a little bit of the aimlessness, a little bit of the redundancy that you would find in every teenage life, a, a little bit of the, um, a little bit of the surreal, a little bit of the, the, um, just innocence of youth, the the false sense of invulnerability of youth, um, the false sense of kind of like you've already got the world figured out of Mm -hmm. youth. And all of that is turned on its head in the couple of days that you see depicted in this, in this film, you're rife at the point. These, these guys are going to school. They're going to high school, Cooley high school. Rob is Robert E. Cooley is the high school. Mm -hmm. I remember. Yeah. Robert E. Cooley, uh, high school. 
they are, of course, cutting class um, and then cutting school and all the hijinks that ensue there. There's a memorable scene at the Chicago Zoo that you will not soon forget. Um, and none of your senses will either. <laughs> um and then in just getting through getting just being young teenagers chasing chasing girls you know chasing chasing a dollar or as it were 50 cents in these days mm -hmm. um and trying to be or appear to be cooler than you really are because these are four guys that are they're not the the geekiest guys but they're also not the coolest guys they're right. like they're right in that middle ground they're right in that sweet spot which is where the majority of us live you right. know we kind of like know people on both sides and can kind of walk in both worlds and that's what all four of these guys rep represent pooter is the young young naive innocent guy who just wants to be you know he these are his friends he's these are the guys that he looks up to um Tyrone. Tyrone is kind of like the faux ladies man type of slick guy with the conk in his hair. Um, looks like he may have um, got left back a couple of grades. <laughs> Once or twice. Because he it, it definitely is a man that looks like he's a man. A man. Yeah. A man amongst boys yeah. in high school. Um, and then you got your two leads. Uh, Lawrence Hilton Jacobs as Cochise, the the athlete, the, the superstar athlete, the, the promising um, basketball star, as it were, mm -hmm. um, who we soon learn has gotten a scholarship, a basketball scholarship, a full ride to college. That is going to be his way out of his circumstance. Yes. He knew it all along. He was banking on it and you don't see him do, but you don't ever see him play basketball. But when you see him with a basketball, you see him shoot it in a very awkward manner that somehow seems to go into the net all the time. Yes. And it's not a lot of form in Cochise, but hey, it's coolly high. Um, and then his best friend is Preacher, played by Glenn Turman, who is definitely a a dreamer. Um, he wears, he wears the uniform of a scholar. The has the words of a poet, mm -hmm. but he has the machinations of a world-class wannabe schemer. Right. And a liar. Right. He's 17, but he's 17 thinks he knows everything. Um, and if he doesn't know anything, what he doesn't know, he feels like he can talk his way out of. Sure, um, and that is how that is basically how they get through life, and they are they get through life until they get into a, a situation that they can't talk their way out of, um, and then dire consequences ensue. And we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Just kill the lily on this. What fifty year old, close to sixty year old? Oh, everyone's seen Cooley High. Everyone knows what happens to Cooley High. Um, but it 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 is a, it is a film in nineteen seventy five 
that is ahead of its time because, again, as we've talked about all month long when we've been doing films of 1975, we are still in the midst of black exploitation. Yes, it will we are. soon come to an end, yeah. but it is still at it a little bit. At, you know, it is maybe right at its crest. Mm-hmm. You know, and this is a film right at its crest that it kind of gets lumped into the black exploitation because of where, where it is. Exactly. But it really doesn't wear any of those trappings. It, 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 it no. is 100% a, a sweet touching dramedy. Yeah. If you were, because yeah. it's funny, but there's definitely some serious context in here. And there's, there are, are serious, um, conversations to be had about friendship mm-hmm. about boys turning into men mm-hmm. about um boys and how they deal with women mm-hmm. um and th- and th- i think there's some deep exploration in this now this is a film that i don't think really pays a lot of attention to the woman's point of view right it, not it, at all even though there are definitely women here yeah. and there's some lip service to kind of their point of view. Um, and, and if you look closely, there actually are some scenes that kind of like give you a window into mm-hmm. it, but the movie doesn't spend any real time interrogating it. Right. This is not their story. This is not their story. And I'm not going to bash the movie on that because right. th- that's not, that's not the goal. That's not what it's set up to be. So it, and if it's not set up to be there, I'm not going to be holding it against it that, that it doesn't go there. Um, but what but what it does set up to be is a window into the mindset of a black teenager, really in the 70s, but using the trappings of the 60s yeah. to, to show that lens. And to be to be honest, while the movie does say it's set in 1964, um, if you watch this film and thought it was set in the 70s, nobody's going to say anything against you. Some of the fashions definitely lend themselves to the right. to the 70s and the soundtrack to the 60s, course. and the, and the soundtrack definitely definitely does well to to a point because then there, then you get a song well yeah the soundtrack kind of like lends itself to the 60s but um that notwithstanding it it's set in 64 it's it's just a little over 10 years before the movie is mm-hmm. is made so the the fashions and some of the the the, the, the what you see in Chicago at this time, you could kind of still see remnants of that in 1975 mm-hmm. in Chicago as well. So you, it, nobody's going to bash you over the head if you like thought it was the seventies. Yeah. Um, so, and, and to be honest, I actually in watching it again, had to remind myself sometimes that, Oh, this is 1964. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because none of the, None of what is going on in the world large at large of Black America really is felt in this movie. You don't feel like the civil rights movement, right, right, or anything like that, or of fighting against the man. I mean, it's sixty four. Well, it's 64. and it's Chicago. It's sixty four and it's Chicago, but it's also because this movie it, it it sets itself firmly that the lens is through these black teenagers. Exactly, almost every aspect. The, this movie almost could be like this movie almost could be like if Franklin 
was the star of the Peanuts comic book series. Mm-hmm. And then he was allowed to age up. This actually could be like that. Yeah. Because there's almost no adults. There, that's, the, that's and right. the, really, the the only, there's there's really two adults. Mm-hmm. There, no, to be fair, there's three. There's Martha who runs kind of like this this meat shop where everybody right, like right. meets or soda shop. I'm not. Yeah, I think it's a soda, soda shop. Yeah, never really seen anyone eat. You don't see anybody yeah, meat, but right. I say, and I say it's the meat shop because I see her chopping up meat. Right, and she's right. always. Um, like brandishing a cleaver, yeah, at people. Yeah. So I go to the meat shop, yeah, and I know about Chicago has meat shops, yeah. So now because of the TV series The Bear, so I'm figuring it's the meat shop. Mm-hmm. So you see her, but you only see her in a couple of scenes. She doesn't doesn't have any real real lines, right? Then you see, um, you see, uh, preacher's mom, yeah, in a couple of scenes, yeah, um. But the first thing you see her, she's leaving out to go to work. Right. She's a domestic. So she's leaving out late at night to go to work. The second scene you see her, she's returning home from work later on. Yeah. And she's about to give her son a whooping. And there's a real touching scene where she, he yeah. tell, she tells him to go get her belt. Yeah. And then by the time he goes upstairs to get her belt and comes back down, which honestly, even in real time in the movies, it's maybe not quite two minutes. Yeah. She is falling asleep. Yeah. Because she's fall, come, come home late from work. Yeah. And he like, he just kisses his mother on the head. And it's really a touching scene. It, yeah. It's one of the scenes I remember. That's the, the only other adult is Garrett Morris, Garrett Morris as Mr. Mason. Yeah. The teacher. Yeah. Who, for all the good his talking does, he might as well be the teacher in Peanuts. Because all the kids here is wah, 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 right, wah, right, wah, right, wah, right. Even right. though he does have a prominent role and yeah. plays a part in kind of like moving the plot along. Yeah, oh yeah. In this in this movie. So this movie is definitely focuses on the viewpoint from the kids. And I really appreciated that. I like that. Um, I like the wild things they get into. I love the quarter party mm-hmm. that they have here. This was uh it, it reminded me of house parties and back in my day mm-hmm. um we and we didn't have they they didn't ask for a quarter you just had to be on the on the list right to get in um and they were strict about that list mm-hmm. um fortunately i had friends so i was on my list um it, it i i i enjoyed like the kind of like randomness of these guys kind of like you know kind of like had girlfriends of the moment uh, of the convenience they're 17 they're 17 um i liked kind of like the personification of cynthia De- uh davis character mm-hmm. uh in this role of brenda yeah you know kind of like this um the, the unattainable mm-hmm. for, for preacher as it were uh and you know i remember to be fair i remember enjoying their their romance a little bit more as a youth mm-hmm. and you know, on rewatching than I did watching it now and watching it now. I'm like, well, well it's kind of quick. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, they're 17, but they're 17. Yeah. Right. Um, which, which again, I love the realness. Mm-hmm. Of there it is. They're being seven, yeah. 17. Yeah. And I also love that. And, and you'll read it all over the place that this film is compared to 1973's American Graffiti, which it was a film that uh, purported to show kind of like 
the life of the teen of the white teenager um, in kind of like a, another coming of age mm-hmm. film. And, and it, it is a film that kind of like spoke to them just living their lives, just catching a, a glimpse in, in time of their, of their lives. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people equate this to the black American graffiti, which is totally unfair. I think it's totally unfair. Yeah. But I, but I don't know about you. As someone who has seen American Graffiti, look and and has watched Cooley High, I will take Cooley High eight thousand well, times. Here's the thing: I think even when people started making the comparison, there was always a contingent of people who argued this was better than American Graffiti. It is, and I think as time has gone on, more and more people have acknowledged that. So yeah, I, I yeah. I, were you finished? I didn't mean to cut you off. No, no, no. I, that, that was my yeah. that was my ending. Yeah, note. yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I 100 agree that this is a better film than American Graffiti, which will kind of start with what I wanted to talk. Look, look, it's Cooley High. This is an actual classic mm-hmm. film, and I think the luxury of like you said, you watched it three times in that theater, mm-hmm. and you know who knows how many times you've seen it since then. The luxury that I had this afternoon when I watched it, because I know every single beat of this movie, is that I could really concentrate on the craft. Mm -hmm. And I think the secret of Cooley High and why Cooley High succeeds when so many other films that have tried to emulate Cooley High fail is the sheer level of quality of this film. I think the script is masterful in how Eric Monty's hands are invisible. Mm. Like you said, there is this sense of there's this real breeziness. To yeah. It, yeah. Where it seems like it just kind of bleeds from scene to scene. Yeah. Yeah. But this film is in complete control. Mm-hmm. of how the scenes go and knowing where the film is going there is a hint of melancholy in the whole the whole time film. yep like this whole theme of you always hear the trains running and you know theater 101 english 101 trains are a sign of you know leaving coming and, and going and coming and going and and something's going to change yep. And the trains are there. The first thing you see is the train. Yep. You see the trains. You have this group of boys, these two boys in particular, and their friendship. And you see all around them the pieces moving that this is it. Mm -hmm. They are getting ready to go to the next stage. The next stage. Eric Monty's script, I think, captures that in such a wonderful way. Michael Schultz, we're fans of Michael Schultz. I was just looking, trying to figure out. Like, I think this might be our our fifth Michael Schultz we've film. Done, we've done a, a like we've done Car Wash a few weeks ago. We did Which Way Is Up. Yep. We've done Bustin' Loose. We've done The Last Dragon. We've done Crush Groove. Like, we are Michael Schultz people, and this is a film where, as a director. He's like, like he, he's, he's, he's on fire. Mm-hmm. Like just the set pieces, Uh-oh. the scene in the theater is 
perfectly calibrated. The dance that you just talked about is wonderful. So just these kind of set pieces are great. The quiet moments, you talked about the moment, the moment you just talked about when Preach's mother comes home mm-hmm. and then falls asleep is this beautiful moment. There's a moment that I saw today that I thought was was breathtaking, where the, the group of boys are are in an alley drinking wine. Mm-hmm. And it's when um the one boy has, has stolen some of Preach's poetry. Yeah. Michael Schultz in his control of shadow and lighting in that alley where all of the boys' faces come in and out of view mm-hmm. is amazing. Mm-hmm. I love this cast. I, I think this is I think the greatest compliment I can give most of this cast is I wasn't sure if they were actors. And you learn that if more than a few of them, they weren't. They weren't, but they're so good yep. and they're so natural mm-hmm. and they're so real. Mm-hmm. Glenn Turman, and, and I love Lawrence Hilton Jacobs. I really do. And I, I think he's an actor that I get frustrated when I think about his career where it could have been right and me and, too and how he got like eclipsed mm-hmm. on welcome back carter like I, I wish i could go back in time and tell him don't go on welcome back carter carter yes <laughs> but glenn terman is amazing like glenn terman is amazing in this film and all of the different aspects of this young man's life that he's supposed to bring to life he is and and just from scene to scene and and you know i kept saying well there's 17 where there's 17 and 17 is that age where you know you're you're still really young mm-hmm. but you're old enough to make decisions that have ramifications yeah, yeah but you're too young to realize yeah and going back to the script i love the almost invisible escalation so that if you're paying attention, what happens at the end when Cochise dies, it's been building mm-hmm. throughout the film with Stone and Roger and the chaos that they kind of bring to the group mm-hmm. um, with Damon and Damon and what, you know, what Damon, like he's like an instigator. Right. Damon is an instigator. But even the bit with um, the girl who causes the schism between Cochise and preach it's 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 kind of sad like you realize all the girls love cochise but cochise is so cool about it that you get the sense that preach that that uh preach doesn't really understand what the dynamic is between those two because cochise loves preach so much right he says yeah preach's girl always liked cochise she was always looking at Cochise. Again, if you've seen it a million times, you know where it's going to land. So you keep your eye on her. Mm-hmm. She's always looking at Cochise. And, you know, when she goes to make Preach jealous, you know, Cochise obviously shouldn't have slept with his boy's girl who his boy had cheated on with this new girl. But that's still your boy. But they're 17. Yeah. They're 17. So that when this thing spirals out of control... It makes sense. It it does. Yeah. yeah. Cochise's speech at the end. I'm, I'm sorry. Preach's speech, preach speech at the graveyard is, is amazing every time I watch it. Every time I watch it, I'm so impressed with Glenn Terman. 
at that moment. But again, this is throughout this film. So that, look, I don't know, like, what what, what were we supposed to say about Cooley? It's a masterpiece. What I, in regards to that, two things. In regards to um, Glenn Turman as preacher, I think what makes his performance as memorable as it is is because if you just soberly watch this film, you find yourself going back and forth about whether or not you like this guy. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because Preacher is, it, he's a jerk. He's 17. He's a 17-year-old jerk, but he's also 17, and he's a 17-year-old like, like, like Mr. Mason, Garrett Morris uh, says, and shout out to Garrett Morris. Who's fantastic. Who's a fa- fantastic. Talking about somebody you want to go back in time and say maybe like, like all money ain't good money. Yeah, maybe you as should far skip as like, Saturday Night Live. Skip those five years yeah. and just keep doing the character stuff. Yeah. Um, but like Mr. Mason says, boy, do you know what you could be? I know. If you would just... Like one, just show up. Right, right. Get out of your own way. Get out of your own. How many, and how many people fall victim to that, man? Seventeen. I, but but the beauty of Glenn Turman is that he 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 gets you there. Yeah. And despite you waffling between whether or not you really even like this dude or not, you still you still are. I don't know about you just as crushed as when he does come find Cochise. Yeah. With his, with his girl. Yeah. Um, you're just as cr- crushed for him, for him. And, and I don't think you, I don't know if you necessarily said this. He ain't mad at her. He's it's, it's not about her at it, all. It's about coach is about yeah. Cochise. And, yeah. and, and Cochise like, yo dog, like that's rule one on one. Yeah, you yeah. know that. But 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 again, if if there's a little part of you that thinks he's maybe a little bit mad at her, which I don't honestly don't think he one hundred percent is. But even if there's a little part of you that says maybe he's a little bit mad at the uh, at her, then you're like, well, he obviously got over that real quick. Because he's right in, yeah. in Brenda's With face. Brenda, yeah. It, it, quick, yeah. fast, in a hurry. Which, to be fair, is where he wanted to be. 17. 17-year-old. 17-year-old boy. Right. Um, this close to feral. But talk about sweet scenes. Talk about quiet scenes. I think the scene where he and Brenda do get together. Yeah. And make love. Yeah. Is a very beautiful scene. <laughs> it's it's so tender. It's so, but here's the thing. It's so tender, but it's so perfectly done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because, you know, first of all, considering when this film is made, considering the the trappings that all of the other films in in this movie's orbit yeah. are, mm-hmm. are, are trafficking in, you know, it could have easily been you know the tender music but still kind of went for it a little bit in the visuals right but it doesn't it 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 
plays it even. And you know that you know that both these actors are adults. Yeah. But it still treats the scene that we're looking in on 17 year old. Yeah. So it doesn't it's not gratuitous at all either. Um there's the trepidation that is on both of their eyes and in their faces right before it begins. I think it's it's kind of telling that you can see that preacher for all his bravado as he lowers down the shade, you know. Yeah. This is his first time. So it, it's you it, want to talk that smack. It's another quiet moment from Glenn Terman where, like you said, it's a, it's a silent moment. Yeah. It's maybe two seconds. Right. But you're right. You see it on his face. But then you also see 17 years old right after. There's a bit of that. You're like, wow, we did it. Yeah. We did it. Yeah. Like, yeah, he's talking a little bit of smack. Yeah. But we did it. And then he's he's playful. <laughs> he he really he's, he's like he's so playful. He's so happy. He's so playful that he says the line that makes me laugh out loud, even though I've seen this movie 15 times. I can't wait to tell cheese. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, that <laughs> That was it wrong. I said, this boy. But you know what? <laughs> he, he, he I won the bet. First of all, he means it. Because oh. he's going to go tell. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but there's a part. It, 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 it is the innocence of, I honestly think, at that time, at that moment, of him wanting almost to share the moment with her. Of course. You know? I'm so happy about this. Like, and I baby. like you. Yeah. Let me tell you this good news. Right. Right. I won the bet. <laughs> He's going to spend a dollar on her. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Right. So he's he's innocently yeah. like he's he's giddy with it. Yeah. You yeah. know? So but it's it's total wrong thing to say oh yeah yeah but you know but it's the it's the beauty of his performance that he right. gets all of that nuance over yeah. and as much as you are still waffling whether or not you you like this guy you are 100 percent with him like you said right there at the gravesite. um and a, a just a small, a small touch that for me the first time i i didn't remember this but i enjoyed it that when he walks up to the gravesite, there's somebody there. There's the there's the right right the, the, the guy who works at the words yeah. works the graves. Yeah, he's there, and he realizes, oh, I'm I'm just stepping, give you a moment. Yeah, I don't know why I I don't remember seeing that, but when I saw that, it's like that's real. Yeah, that's real because I think in in my head, he, like he just walks up to the gravesite. Right, like no, that's real, and yeah. and then to have that conversation with Cochise at that moment. Um, just beautiful, and then the 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 runoff at the end. The runoff at the end. You He's know, running to his future. Oh, uh, oh my god! And like you talk, like yo, this soundtrack is is phenomenal. Yeah, it's great, especially how it's used in the beginning. Because in the beginning of the film, there's a whole not a whole lot of dialogue, so mm -hmm. the, the soundtrack definitely takes you in the time. Yeah, but let's like yo, let's not bury the lead. <laughs> The scene <laughs> and the song oh, 
that we all show oh, up for. Oh, GC Cameron. Oh, GC Cameron. How do I say oh, goodbye? Oh, <laughs> I don't care who you are. Oh, if when he like when it's like you're welling up the whole time the song is playing during oh, the funeral my scene. Goodness. And, and 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 to be fair, I don't care how many funerals you've seen they filmed before 1975. <laughs> I don't care how many film funerals they filmed after 1975. There is no funeral scene that is this funeral scene. Oh. This is the funeral scene that end all funeral scenes. And you're welling up the whole time that that song is playing. And in my mind, I'm like, did they play the whole song? I'm not sure. Did they play the whole song? I seem to remember them playing the whole song. And then it gets to the scene where Coach, where Preacher is making his way to the gravesite and it cuts to Pooter in the who car. Sees him. Yeah. Who sees him. And he wipes his and eye. And he wipes his just, eye. Like, a, like he wipes his eye real. And, and, and it's at that moment that the song crescendos. And if I take with me the memories. Mm. Oh my God! Mm. It's it's it is. I think it might be trauma. Like I think many of us might need some, to talk to somebody about the scene because just to take it back a sec again, the trains. Oh, remember he's yelling for help, and as he's yelling, the trains get louder and louder, so that you don't, and so you can't even hear him, and then it's silence. How do I say goodbye? And then it's just a funeral. And you know what gets you now? You're so used to the boys, the men version with all the pyrotechnics and it's the four of them singing. It's and the harmonies. And it's, it's the harmonies and it's all big. But this is just GC Cameron. Like GC Cameron can barely sing. Mm -hmm. Like he can barely sing. He ain't nobody's real singer. But that just makes it even more powerful. Yes. Like, like I have to sing this. Because be, there is nothing, there is nothing. And it's just me by myself. Nothing more stirring, stirring to me than a song that sounds like the singer means every word he is singing. Right. Like he is, he, he is singing 100%. Yeah. From his heart. Yeah. And again, it is a testament to the script. It is a testament to the direction mm -hmm. that they both work in concert to set up Glenn Turman for this final monologue. And Glenn Turman knocks it out knocks the park. Knocks it out the box. Like, I don't know. I would love to hear from some actors, because I'd have to imagine tons of actors have used this monologue in auditions because it is a, it is a great, it's, a, it's so well written. Yeah. It's so beautiful because it, it is preacher. It yeah. is 100% him in every it, uh, 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 aspect of his personality. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So yeah, you look, man. But the other thing, and this, we kind of alluded to it earlier is that in this monologue, and in this movie, you do have a story that is based on the life of the writer, Eric Monte. Yes. 
And at the end of this film, Preacher more or less goes off to try and make his way through Hollywood as mm-hmm. the ending credits kind of show us, um, which is a similar path that Eric Monty, the writer of this film, yes, uh, fo- followed in his life. Um, but his results were... Um, let's put it this way. He had some highs... And he had some lows. He 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 is very much. Well, I think I think what we can all agree upon is that Eric Monty's story is a cautionary tale. Now, whether or not it's a cautionary tale because of decisions that he made, or it's a cautionary tale because, as he has argued, he was taken advantage of forces that were put upon him. You know, then it's it's. We leave that to you to decide, dear. Well, tell people the, the the actual. So Eric Monty went on to create Good Times, along with Mike along Evans. with Mike Evans, best known as Lionel from the Jeffersons. Right. He also created, um, as we talked about, uh, what's happening was developed from mm-hmm. a failed adaptation of Cooley High. So he created yeah. what's happening. He created the or co-created the Jeffersons. Yes. But he always argued that Norman Lear stole ideas from him, didn't attribute the ideas to him the way they were supposed Especially to. Especially for good times in the Jeffersons, Especially which for were good Norman time, Lear productions. Which were Norman Lear productions. And he ended up settling like he sued. Mm-hmm. Ended up settling for a million dollars, and and the way he argues, and he, to be fair, he 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 did settle for a million dollars, but this was years down the line. This was years down the line, and according to him, he was basically bullied into settling, and then afterwards, as you can imagine, he was blackballed mm-hmm. in Hollywood. You know, fell victim to drug abuse. Yeah, and uh, he's sober now. I believe. Yes. I believe he's sober now, and he's yes. still doing things, but. It it is it is the type of thing, and and I will say this as as a fan, a big fan of Norman Lear. It always kind of confused me how Norman Lear came up with something like the Jeffersons or Good Times, and it's like this doesn't really seem like something Norman Lear could have come up with. So that the argument that maybe Norman Lear had a a black brain trust that he was tapping into smells more like the truth than not to me Mm -hmm. so that you know what they say it's three sides of every story it's your side their side and the truth Mm -hmm. in the middle well you know yeah yeah but but yeah he's um it's 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 a fascinating story i mean actually i have to say i don't want to go too late with this i went down the rabbit hole with what's happening and good times just about the like behind, the production the of production it. and the behind the scenes stuff and 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 what's like I knew a lot of the good time stuff like like the good time stuff is pretty well known about how um John Amos oh like so and, like after and, it and got Esther Roll and 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 the push and pull with the JJ character but the what's happening set apparently was hot really oh my goodness uh Freddie Stubbs and Ernest Thomas were protesting on and off about it and then they had, well i know freddie stubbs ha- always had a problem yeah but i didn't know ernest thomas had walked off with him at least once the solidarity yeah mabel king 
No, I know. Maybe always she... argued about her being a single mother, which frankly is something that seems to come up a lot with these Norman Lear black shows mm-hmm. where the actresses argue, why can't I have a husband? Why can't there be a man in the house? And then they have to push for that. So, you know, Mabel King and Mabel King left the show. She did because of this type of thing. So that it was a lot going on. And it looks like when what's happening got canceled. Well, wait a minute. You said with Norman Lear. Norman Lear didn't have anything to do with what, not. I'm sorry. What's happening? Right. That's um Saul Turtle Tub. Yeah. And um, who's Saul Turtle Tub's partner? Uh, it's like Turtle Tub, and um, it's it's at the end of everything that they make. I know. I know. Um, hold on. What's happening is hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Bud Yorkin. Bud Yorkin. Yeah. But um, and and. And what's happening, I don't think got canceled because of ratings. Like what's happening got canceled just because they were tired of dealing with, with these wild ass black actors. Yeah, but I don't think it was ever like a super hit. It was enough of a hit that I think they could have kept making them for another year. Well, they brought it back in syndication. Well, which explains what's happening now. Like it was like, why would they make what's happening now? But I think what's happening now was the result of the fact that ratings wise, they could have kept doing what's happening. Yeah. So it seems like. And it did come back at the time when like syndication was hot. Right. 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 Because what's happening now is what 80. So so it's like, you mean you don't have the entirety of the what's happening information sitting right. I'm I'm about to tell you what's 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 happening goes off in 70 what? uh, Goes off in 79. What's happening now? Runs from 82. Nope. 84? I'm about to tell you. I'm sorry. If you let me tell you. I'm going to just keep saying numbers. (laughs) 1997? 2004? It runs from 85 to 88. Okay. So what's that? Five years later? About five years later? Well. You know, five, six years? Yeah. Is that 79? Yeah. 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 But I never understood why people were talking about bringing back what's happening. Like, that never made sense to me. But now. That made sense to me. People were clamoring for more what's happening? Well, sure. Because everybody like D, you want to see D grown up. How you go to D? I like D. D's the first person that you think of when, when you talk about what's happening? Because I like D. Because you like D? I did. All right. I like D. I, I, I liked her more than almost anybody else on the show. You actually see the DNA of that I, relationship in Cooley High, too. Like him and his sisters. Well, you see a little bit of it's it. It's like, okay. Yeah, I see. You see a little bit. Well, certainly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I was a Thelma's Rosala man. Of course. I liked how much Thelma's Rosala used to be up on Mabel King. No. Yeah, Peaches. He he tell he 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 would talk sexy to Mabel King. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that. Well, I appreciated Mabel King. So there you go. There you go. So now we've landed on Mabel King. But the question, of course, would you recommend Cooley High? Oh, most absolutely certainly. I would recommend Cooley High every day of the week. If you have not watched Cooley High, you need to see Cooley High. If you have watched Cooley High, watch it again. Yeah. And and and, and introduce it to someone. I, I introduced it uh, to a young lady, 26 years old, had never watched it before. Yeah. Yeah. It's required viewing. Mm-hmm. Not only is it required viewing because of the film itself, but the DNA of Cooley High is in so many films. Like you were talking about Dope. Yeah. Before. Um House Party. Yep. The Wood. The Wood. Like the DNA of Cooley High is everywhere. Yeah. Because it, it really is that film. And and looking at his filmography, 
it may be the best thing Michael Schultz did. I was going to say it, it may I, be the best thing he did. Like I'm a it witch, is. I'm a which way is up man. I haven't seen Grease Lightning in a long time. To be fair, I haven't seen Grease Lightning in a, in a long time. Which way is up? I'm a fan, but I can. You think this is? Better? I can watch it and and see it's very right. Very which uneven. way is up had that weird. That's that had that weird side plot about the the unions. Yeah. It's very, it's Which was very, it's very yeah. uneven. Um, he, you know, a lot of people don't remember. He did Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Heart Cub Band. Which is just weird. It's very It's weird. not that good. It's not just that, weird. It's not weird at all. The 1978 version with the Bee Gees. Yeah. Well, yeah. was there another version? I thought there was a Sergeant Pepper's Lonely, there wasn't a film with the Beatles? Not with the Beatles? No. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. No. Um busting loose i'm not a super big fan of busting loose i like it but it's not better than this uh crush groove <laughs> love crush groove love crush groove not better, not than, better this. than this the last dragon last moving dragon. on moving on uh disorderlies yeah. okay uh white girl i don't even remember white i don't girl. even know white girl with that's another that's another uh timec film right Okay, a young African-American college student, a judge's daughter, battles a cocaine addiction, or as the substance is known on the streets, the white girl. Okay, I'm going to have to watch. Wait, this is directed by Tony. This isn't him. Why does it say he's, maybe he produced it. No, he maybe he produced it. All right. Um, and then Living Large. Living Large is interesting. It's not better than this, but Living Large is actually kind of interesting. I don't know if I've seen that. It's a TC um, Carson. TC Carson from um, Living Single. Living Single. Right. He becomes a newscaster. Yeah, I don't think I've, I don't think I've seen that. It's interesting. It's not as good as this. All right. But yeah, this this is this is Michael Schultz's do the right thing. It may be, yeah. and to be fair, I haven't seen his last film that he did which was 2004's woman thou art loosed it's better than woman thou art loosed based on the td jakes yes based on the td yeah okay all right all right well all right that's our review of cooley high ladies and gentlemen yes, sir um deborah battle the youngest sister in cooley high was in fact named mm-hmm. d yep so there you go thank you very much although his relationship with his middle sister was more similar to the one that yes. Roger and D had. Yeah. Yeah. Most certainly. Yeah. Well, they aged her up. Right, right. For what's happened. And then, like we mentioned, they continued that weird what's happening thing where mama was always talking about beating this 16, 17-year-old boy. And mama was always talking about go get my belt. Well, mama, mama said go get my belt in Cooley High. That's my point. I said they continued it from Cooley oh, High. Oh, well, yeah. Thank you. Man. Boy, is seventeen. Yeah, but uh, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. Like, my mom didn't beat me when I was sixteen, seventeen years old. No, you're probably twelve. Last time you got a spanking. Yeah, but 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 to be fair, my dad might might have done something when I was about sixteen. I mean, he probably caught you in the chest. <laughs> Did you get caught in the chest? Uh, no. Oh. 
I wish it was a chest. Yeah, it was his chest. I wish it was a chest. Now, the legend of my family is that my grandfather got a spanking on his wedding day. Like he talked on his wedding day. He talked crazy to my great twelve years old when he, he got married. He talked crazy to my great grandmother apparently, and talking about he was grown and he got a spanking on his wedding day. <laughs> That's what the legend is. I wasn't there. <laughs> oh God, I would love to see a series of the Williams family tree. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, before we tell you what we're going to be reviewing next week on the Michelle mission, which yes. I, I, which again is my choice because that's just the way it worked out. Okay. Sorry. Well, you know why? Because I know that this technically was my film, but I saw this more of like a our film. Okay. Type of situation. Right. I'm just trying to get to mine. You know what I'm trying to get. To. I know what you're trying to get to. You know what I'm trying to get to. So you have to wait a week. I don't know why I can't go next week. <laughs> well, because I've already made the flyers. Yeah. <laughs> and they're dated. Yeah. So, you know what I'm trying to get to. Yeah, well, you got a week. I got four, y'all. Ooh-wee. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> but, <laughs> before we get there and before we get to the film that we're going to be reviewing, before we get to... <laughs> What Vince has under his hat, ladies and gentlemen, we invite you to check out the Michelle Mission, two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. Go to MichelleMission.com where you can hit swag and check out all the cool designs that we have available to you by way of our good friends at T Public. You can always email the Michelle Mission at MichelleMission at gmail.com. That's M-I-C-H-E-A-U-X-M-I-S-S-I-O-N at gmail.com. Leave us a voicemail. 215-2-6-6-7-9-6-6-6. Tell Vince and Len what's on your mind. There are actually a couple of vision uh, missionaries who have actually threatened me <laughs> that they want to leave voicemails. And I said, well, okay, <laughs> leave your voicemail. You don't have to be so like aggressive about it. Right, right. But it's like, right. oh man, I can't wait to oh man, let me dial this phone. I'm like, all right, then call it, man. Let's, let me hear what you got to say. Right, right. But they won't tell me what's on their mind. They, they won't tell you. They want me to hear it. <laughs> That's right. So here's your time. Leave us a voicemail. You can follow the Michelle Mission on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Michelle Mission. Subscribe to our show and tell a friend at YouTube on Twitch at Michelle Mission. And you can subscribe to our podcast, which is available Wednesday mornings, ladies and gentlemen. The audio podcast is available for your download of streaming pleasure on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and every place that good podcasts be. Please give us a five-star rating and a review if you do, because that really helps people find our show. Help us make our way to 200 uh, reviews. All really right. appreciate that. All right. The Michelle Mission is also a proud member of vpodglomerate.com. They make podcasts work. Next week on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, before yes. we get to the seasoning that Vince <laughs> has prepared for you in I see two what weeks. You did there. <laughs> before we get there, we have to first cook up a good burger ah. from 1997. Interesting. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, before there wasn't Kia Peel, there was a Keenan and Kel. And they were at Good Burger. May they take your order. That's next week 
here on the Michaud Mission. Until then, he's Vince, I'm Len, and in parting, we say, we'll see you when it's time to meet again.